Hey, Rob B here with Rob D. And it's a special episode on AOB. It's an episode I wish we didn't have to create, but we do because it's important to share the lessons from this quite traumatic business venture. We're going to talk about the time when we had a meeting and we found out that we lost half a million pounds in that one meeting. We're going to talk about how to deal with real disasters in business and most importantly, what you can do to avoid them happening to you. So the title of the show is quite dramatic, but it actually is justified because it's a bit of a dramatic subject we're covering today. Yeah, this is not clickbait. No, it's not clickbait. It's real. <laughs> this is a real story with real numbers, with real stress, real headaches, real sleepless nights, real people crying. We've been involved in a project. This is real. We've talked in the past about how yeah, you have challenges. Most of them you just have to learn to deal with them. Most of them won't bring the business down. This nearly did. It could have. It could have, yeah. Nearly did? Well, let's get into that, <laughs> see if it nearly did. But it certainly pushed us to the limits. So I think it's worth saying, Rob, early on, to get you off the hook, that this business was set up by me and Property Hub Homes was part of the group which we eventually put together an ownership on. But this was my doing. So while you got to witness the the headaches and you in the end inherited a bit of it you've uh, been able to watch the journey <laughs> while it's impacted you in different ways as well we can get into that but really the idea the downfall and part of the rescue you've uh, you've watched um i can't say you've enjoyed it though because it definitely has impacted you negatively yeah um i've I think I've swerved the worst of the pain. Uh, I'll still take some of the responsibility because even though I wasn't there at the start, still could have asked better questions at different points and maybe avoided some things. So, yeah, I'm I'm not going to just try and sort of stand back on this one. But I will start by setting it up by asking you some questions. So let's talk about what it, what is it we're actually talking about. We've hinted at it before. It's a property development. It was the company's first property development. Start with why. Why... This is actually probably the ultimate question of all. Why do this? Why go from doing a business that you're quite well established, that you're pretty good at, and do something that you've never done before? Well, we're going to see that it was a foolish idea. It was a foolish idea for me to do. The idea itself wasn't foolish because Property Hub Invest works with different property investors and it helps put together deals for those investors. It's a great business and the, everyone wins who's involved. But one of the challenges that we have with that business is finding good enough deals for our clients. There's loads of deals out there, but to find good deals from good developers is tough. So what we thought is we could fix that problem by building our own stock. And then actually, because there is such a demand for investors, that could become a very big business very quickly mm. because that we could potentially sell hundreds of units a year to our investors if we positioned it correctly, got the right stock in the right areas at the right price. And if we got to four or 500 unit sales a year, which was easily achievable because we're selling more than that already with Property Up Invest, that would be a very, very big business in its own right. Mm. So as an idea, and people may be wondering now what went wrong, as an idea, it was, I still think, a sound one? Yeah, the concept makes complete sense. You'd expect to make a margin on, on each unit you sell, but even if you didn't, 
you would still have kind of solved your supply problem. So it's like a bit of a grand comparison, but it's like Tesla building like the battery battery factory, isn't it? Like it's a key dependency of the business. So you want to bring it under your control on the assumption that once it's under your control, you deal with it better than if it was outsourced. That's where maybe things started to go a little bit wrong. Definitely, because Property Hub Invest is a well-run business. You know, there's great people involved. Of course, bad things happen, but as a business, it runs well. So why can't we repeat that? Well, we can get into that because we didn't repeat it. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about what the development was. So first one, no real experience, just one house, quick refurb. <laughs> no, no, we went in with 14. So we went 14 houses in crew. So we picked a site based on believing that we priced it right. And we thought, right, okay, there's some decent profit in this site. And it's already got a form of planning. It needed adjusting, but it had planning so we could quickly turn this site around. This was a quick get it in, get it built quickly, get out job. I can't listen to you say quick with a straight face <laughs> when it comes to this. Because no, it wasn't quick. No. It was years. And in fact, we've only just completed on the final units almost four years after we purchased the land. Okay. Uh, where do we start with this? What started going wrong? When did you first become aware that things were not panning out as they should? It's when time scales started to slip. So it was actually a fair way into the project. So we purchased the land and I'd made mistakes there, but I didn't know it at the time. But we purchased the land. We'd replanned it. We had some issues with the planning, but you know, this is development, it's business. You're going to have a few nickels. We sorted those out. But it was when we started to slip on our deadlines of when we should be completing on stuff. And there were just, there were excuses. For every week, there were excuses. And soon, it just didn't seem to sit right with me, even though I wasn't an expert in the industry. And I think that was a big warning sign. And that's a big part of the downfall. So even though I wasn't an expert in the industry, it just didn't seem right to me. But what I did have is somebody, I thought, experienced looking after the site. And I had some experienced advisors with me as well. So I actually, while knowing that I wasn't an expert, thought I had enough expertise around me to help me navigate this journey. Mm. So where did that go? Because to me, that sounds quite sensible. Like nobody starts out knowing how to do everything. But because you've been around in business for a while, you know how to de-risk things a little bit. So you think that you've got the right person. If you don't know anything about the, that sector, how do you make sure you've got the right person? Well, you work with an advisor who can help you. And you, you got help with that appointment, right? Yeah. So why didn't that work? Well, because I made the wrong appointments and possibly had the wrong advisor. Not a bad advisor. I know that person does very well in different areas, but maybe they were overconfident in that sector as well. But their confidence gave me confidence and the confidence of the person we were hiring gave me confidence. So I thought, great, I've got someone really good running the site and I've got someone advising me really well. So between those two, I've got this covered. Now, this is not excuses. This comes down to me because ultimately I chose the advisor and I signed off on the hire. So responsibility falls with me. But I was getting guided by possibly the wrong people, so wrong things began to happen. Okay, so the first warning sign was deadlines were starting to slip. There's, like, being late is not good, but it wasn't just lateness, was it? Like, I, I don't, maybe you could talk about how you started to untangle all the different things that were going on. Because if it was just, oh, it took six months longer than it should have done, but it was all it was all good, that wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't be the disaster that it was. No. 
So where to begin? I mean, there's there's so many areas that went wrong, but a big one early on was one of the contractors disappeared, and it was a fundamental part of the build that they were responsible for. So I can't say too much because there might be legal ramifications still going on around this very issue. But because they disappeared off-site, we investigated their work. It appeared to be of a substandard and not good enough. So we had to get another contractor in to replace their work at great, great costs. So the costs were six figures plus, in fact, significant numbers, which overnight eroded a large chunk of what profit we thought we were going to make. Now, so what profit was it meant to be? Can we put numbers on this? What pro- what should the profit of the site have been? The profit roughly, roughly should have been somewhere between four to five hundred thousand pounds across the whole site. Okay, so a quarter of that is just gone with one yeah, incident. One incident. It's like wow. Okay, that's a big hit. But we've been unlucky. We'll still make a bit of profit, and we're going to learn. So we'll learn for the next job, and we'll learn for the next site. So let's carry on. But it turned out that costs were beginning to be hidden as well so costs were getting pushed back to look like we were on budget but in reality what was happening is costs were being hidden by the person managing the site and also the delays were being hidden as well it got to a point where even someone who has no idea about property development can see that this is going very very wrong and it's very much delayed and costs at that point were being eroded away to that we were going to make Probably by the time we we said, right, it's time for you to leave, it looked like that we might be making around 100,000 because costs were slowly coming in a little bit higher than we anticipated. It was when we removed this individual and we brought someone in, we realised what a shit show he'd left us in. (laughs) So this is not good because the whole concept is, I don't know what I'm doing here, so I'm going to make sure I bring in someone who does. Could you, should you have realised more quickly that things were going wrong? Is there anything you could have done differently? So many different things. So, yes, I could have done more. It is on me. And that's not to sound like bold. It's true. I had a lot of things going on and I got used to delegating. I got used to allowing people to run different parts of the business. It's what you do as you grow a business. But I should have paid closer attention to the part of the business that I was weakest on, that I knew least about. Instead of just giving them all equal attention, this business needed more attention. And by the numbers involved, it needed more attention. So I carried on operating like it was just another one of our businesses, even when things were starting to go wrong. It had my attention, but nowhere near enough. So if I had got closer to it, got on a more rapid learning curve earlier on and brought in other people to give me second opinions, then a lot of this pain wouldn't have happened. Of course, some of it would have happened Mm. and we may not have made a profit or maybe a very modest profit. But as you can tell from the title, it went far beyond that. Yeah, we've got further to go. This is just the beginning. But I think there's a really important lesson in there, which is that you, you have to delegate. You you can't just be, it would be inappropriate if you were there, like looking at every invoice as it comes in and doing all the payments yourself and everything else and questioning every decision. You're not going to be able to run a business that way, but you can go too far the other way as well. And especially at the start, when you're working with someone new, even if it's an area you know, but especially when it's an area you don't, because you might not pick up on those warning signs, you need to be on things a lot more because you think you've hired the right person but you can't be sure and this is why we talk about focus so much and uh, removing distractions and this is a classic case of lack of focus costing 
and procrastinating in a big way. Mm. Like if you are working on big things, but you don't have big focus on them, then it's going to hurt you. So that lack of focus was a was a, an absolute failing on my part. So currently we're at, we're still making a little bit of a profit, but we haven't lived up to the title yet. There's further to go. What went wrong beyond that? It was. It turned out that a lot of costs were hidden at that point, and that they'd been kicked down the road or not disclosed. So we started to then understand exactly what it was going to cost us, and then it went from small profit to small loss to modest loss to the work that we've done with that contractor isn't good enough. So we're getting contractors back in on other elements of the site or contractors not delivering the work that they should have. Again, doing all the work ourselves, subcontracting it all out. On a development, you can do it in a couple of ways. You can get one key contractor in and have a very tight legal agreement with them, or you can subcontract the work out. Unfortunately, with a lot of the subcontractors, most of it was done by the guy who'd come in on handshakes. There was no legal framework in a lot of the agreements, so it was their word against ours. It doesn't put you on very sound footing with builders who don't have to carry on because they've already enough, had enough money, and if they want you to finish the job, they want a lot more. Was it just death by a thousand cuts, that like more and more things get discovered, or can you remember a specific oh moment where you realise this isn't going to be a small profit, this isn't even going to be a small loss. I remember it being a finance meeting and when we were working through the numbers and we were adding up more and more costs and they were get, it was getting worse and worse and then we found another cost that we'd not allocated. And I think at that point it was looking about half a million and that, and that meeting, I just felt sick. I was like, how have I made a half a million pound mistake? How have I done? How have I managed to get so much right in business for so many years? And how have I done such a bad job on this business? Like it was, it was devastating. It was really bad. How quickly did it go from small loss to half million? Did that happen in like one meeting? Yeah, it was. So we used to have monthly meetings around the numbers. And the meeting before, it was like a small loss. And then this meeting, we really got all the numbers together and went, okay, so how much is it going to cost to finish this site? And we went through and put all the costs in. Bear in mind, we had finance on this site as well. Mm. So we put a lot of our own money in, but we also had finance. So you've got those ongoing finance costs. But once you're late, they, they increase as well. So we had all these costs coming in. And when we looked at how much longer it was going to take to complete, all the costs we hadn't accounted for, the extra finance costs it turned out to be a very, very big number. I knew it was going bad at that point, and I knew we'd sort it, and we did eventually, we'll get to that. But I, I think it was a leap at that point from going, this has been a bad project, to this has been horrific. What did you do when that meeting ended? I'm quite good at dealing with pressure. I've talked about this before, and I'm quite good at not being emotional over things. But I actually felt resentment and I don't often feel that. For a very short window, I allowed myself to resent people who had been involved in the process, people who were meant to have done a good job, whether that was contractors, people we'd employed or, or otherwise, who had obviously just left us in the lurch. I remember just being so disappointed in people. But then I realised that feeling sorry for myself is only going to serve myself. Feeling sorry for myself isn't going to help anyone around me. Feeling sorry for myself isn't going to inspire the team. Feeling sorry for myself isn't going to sort this out. So 
it was a brief window. I might have given myself a day. And I, re- I really do believe it was a day. And the next morning, I was like, right, we need to sort this out. Okay, so let's talk a bit about what sorting it out looked like. Because if it's just if it's something you know, you can like wade in there and go, right, here's what we're going to do. But you don't even know what it is that needs to be done, really. And so it's not a quick process to turn it around. How did you start turning it around? Well, if I allowed people to help me get into that mess, I used people to get myself out of that mess because I wasn't qualified to do it. And I still was acutely aware of that. Luckily, I worked with people within the business. So people like Andrew, Zoe, um, Bobby Joe, as we call them in the business. I relied on people like them to really help me internally. And then externally, we brought in some great contractors. Mark uh, was a superstar who came in and worked on the project um, as a surveyor and helped us project manage the site out and get us off site eventually. Eventually. It took time. But even after those people were supporting and helping me, and we had the external help as well, things still would go wrong. I mean, we had visits from health and safety just as Mark had arrived to site and he had to clear up someone else's mess because someone else running the site wasn't doing a good enough job. No one was injured. It was only a slap on the wrist, but it was just it wasn't a well-run site and it looked a mess. By the time he'd been in in a short space of time, it was a smart-looking site. It was, you know, it looked like a proper building site. I just thought it was disorganised, and it was, but it was disorganised to a point that the welfare facilities weren't set up correctly and it was just, you know... You know, we were got, we were right to be told off for how we were doing things. We had to bring in more fire extinguishers, stuff like that. So we did all that, and we sorted that out overnight, um, as you have to. But the things had been ordered far too far in advance. So flooring had gone in, and the build was only seventy percent done because the silly so and so who was running the site, because he kept telling me it was done, I went. Well, flooring must be going in then. Because for me, a site's finished. When the flooring goes in, that's the last thing. So because he wanted to satisfy me, he told me the flooring had been ordered, pour it all in, but then it had to be ripped out because they hadn't finished the units. I mean, I I don't know what was going through his head, but we had to get rid of all the flooring um, in pretty much every single um, house that had been laid down in. That's not super expensive, but again, all these things add up. We had to sort out a few of the roofs because the the roofers who'd put it and the tiles in and put them, some of them, up in the right way. So nobody had spotted this. We'd spotted it, though. And we could have got away with not sorting it. It probably would have been good enough for a long enough time. But obviously, that's not who we are or what we're about. So we, we paid new roofers to go back in and sort all the tiles out. Again, more costs. We, the doors had gone in so long without being treated that we had to replace a load of doors. Like, if it was just one of these things, then it's like, well, that's, that's development. But like you said, is it a death by a thousand cuts or one big moment? And I think it was lots of big moments giving us lots of wounds rather than cuts. It was, it was death by lots of wounds. It was that type of that type of project. Yeah, I made a reference when we were talking about this like a few episodes ago that kind of felt like we'd end up building everything twice. And it wasn't quite that, but it was getting on for it. There's so many bits needed to be done over again for various reasons. It's quite something. And you talked about focus. I remember while all this was going on, because this was like months and months and months, you're going through this process of discovering everything and then gradually sorting it out. You think you've sorted that thing, but while someone's there looking at that, they've spotted this whole other thing. This went on for such a long time and it was such a distraction. It was taking up so many people's attention who really their time should have been spent 
growing or improving another part of the business, but they were spending all their time dealing with this. And they had to, because until we got the project finished and the plots completed, we had all this money out the door that we couldn't do anything about. So that was the right thing to do. But it's not just the monetary loss. Don't need to lay it on even more, I know. But it's not just that. It's all the opportunity costs of all the things that we weren't doing while all that was happening. Yeah, without doubt. And not just the time investment, but the emotional investments. You know, like one of our team members cried over it because it was another piece of bad news. And it's like, when is it going to stop? Mm. When will the bad news end? Because it was piece after piece after piece. And I remember one day that person just cracked. And understandably so. Like I couldn't understand why they did. Like Because it was like they just couldn't believe that something else had done wrong. Mm. It, it, of course, it... It wasn't a well-run business. I think that's probably obvious by now. And I do not blame this on bad luck. But while good businesses get good luck, I do think sometimes bad businesses get a bit of bad luck as well. And I think this was a bad business that also got a bit of bad luck along the way. Like there were some shocking decisions. There were some shocking hires. But there were also some shocking pieces of bad luck. Like, for example, some of the solicitors we engaged with. We had to move solicitors off the site because they were awful. We had another unit that was complete. The buyer was ready to complete. It was a great unit, but it didn't have power. And we had multiple units at one point that didn't have power because, I don't mind, they can sue me, (laughs) Scottish power were a joke. And they took six months to put meters in. And when they finally turned up after not turning up several times, and bear in mind, people won't complete on a home without electricity. It's kind of a fad these days (laughs) that we were paying another six months worth of finance while we waited for them. They came out and did them all, bar one. And then it was another six months before they did that final plot. So we were paying all that finance, waiting for Scottish Power to go out. We even went to the ombudsman to say, you need to sort Scottish Power out. They did. They told them, you must come out. Guess what? Didn't turn up. And they they just took the fine and didn't bother to turn up. I mean, okay, a lot wrong. But, I mean, what can you do about things like that? It's just just unfortunate. You're you're right, though, that like kind of positive and negative luck reinforce each other. There were so many times. It was like, oh, come on. Like, surely we've had enough bad luck on this now. We don't need any more. But it just kept on coming. And I think the one with the power is like, that's the worst kind of, business problem because that is just a problem it's not even a challenge at that point you can't dress it up because well what can you do like you can try all your creative solutions but they don't work there's like money's not gonna fix it there's nothing you can do you're just waiting and like you said for every month that you're waiting more money's going out the door and I think it's worth saying as well that you're okay so we end up losing a lot of money but it's not just the loss it's the cash flow as well So a lot of money had to go out the door to pay for all these costs. And then when the units completed, some of that money ended up coming back in again. Still not profit, but the cash was coming back. So we're waiting for these plots to complete because with every plot that completed, more cash is coming back in. And businesses kind of need cash. And so for every single plot that power or something else was holding up, that was cash that was out there that we needed. And you can't even, you didn't even know when it was coming back in. So we said it could have brought down the business. And the reason it didn't was, okay, we're in a reasonably resilient place beforehand, but it was, but had it taken another six months? I don't know how many months, but there would have come a point where it couldn't sustain it anymore. That's right. And 
we were making sacrifices. We stopped paying ourselves. Not many people know that, but we did. Um, and we had, we still have cash flow meetings now, and now they're a pleasant affair. It's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> um, back then, it was like, okay, well, how many weeks have we got? Okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's bring money in here. Let's not pay that. Like we're making business decisions on cash rather than business decisions on how to grow the business and move things forward. That's quite scary. That's like when you are problem solving at that point, you are doing the ultimate business problem solving. You are basically making sure that the business is still running and everybody has a job. Mm -hmm. That's pressure. Like if you want pressure, like when you're employing a big team and you know it's on you and you've got to make sure the money is there, you've got to draw things in at the right time. That's unreal pressure. And it was it was a test. So you talked about that meeting where you kind of realized the scale of the problem and took you a day to go over that. But I'm sure you weren't just completely chipper with everything that followed. There must be other testing moments. Can you remember any in particular? Did it bubble over into affecting other elements of your life? It it did get me down. You know, I'm not a robot. So it did let me down. And there were those days where I just couldn't believe what was happening. You know, that finance meeting was one in particular. But you have a responsibility as, you know, a founder that you have to show that you are on top of things. It's a, it's a confidence economy. If people believe in your confidence in the business, they're happy. If you look unsure of what you're doing or how you're operating or the business's future then they'll be unsure. Now, ultimately, as we're recording this and we're in a really successful phase of the business and we're in a massive growth spurt, we navigated those waters and no one didn't have to worry. And you know what? I'm pretty sure I would have found a way. I would have got more cash in. I would have taken loans. I would have done whatever was needed to make sure the business got through because I knew what a brilliant business it, we had and I knew it was worth fighting for. But there's no point in me sharing and broadcasting my concerns and stresses with everyone because how's that going to serve anyone of course you can bring different team members in to help you navigate the choppy waters so part of the finance team when the finances are tight part of the progression team to get completions over the line you know your exec team or advisors to talk about bigger problems and challenges but going to a group wide and going oh we're doomed <laughs> like oh god it's looking bad guys um have a good day like no one's going to benefit from that no, it's hard because you've got to show, you've got to be the leader and show everything's okay. But you've also got to show a lot of trust, I think, by the two, with the team members that you do bring in. Because you don't, if you didn't trust them, you could be like, they might go away and go, guys, you'll never guess what, there's this terrible thing happening. And like you, that could easily spread across the business and cause you big problems. So clearly you'd built a strong team within the business. So you could trust that they wouldn't do that. And they didn't. Yeah, and I, and I do think there's a time and a place for bringing the team in. So we're really lucky that we got ourselves into a strong position before all the COVID stuff hit. And we went into COVID actually in a in a really decent place. But we didn't know how long it was going to last for, as did anyone. And we still don't, you know, who knows what will happen. But we were uncertain of the future. But at that point, we shared it with the whole team because everybody could contribute to making sure that not only we survived but thrived and thankfully that's what's happened that was right to share it with everyone because everyone could have an impact in that situation 
And I don't think we did it in a way that worried people. I think we did it in a way that inspired people to fight and make sure this business did really well. But in that circumstance, not a lot of people would have felt helpless because there's not much they would have done. So it's at, at times it's important to trust everyone and, and let everyone know and let everyone help solve the problem. But if everyone can't help solve the problem, then often they, they could probably feel helpless and then worried because they can't even chip away at that said problem. So it's knowing when to bring in a small number of people around a challenge or when to make it a whole company-wide challenge. Mm. A lot went wrong. There are some things that I think were done very well to minimize the damage as much as possible. And I think there's things to learn from those. The one that comes to mind for me is the daily meeting that you started have, having around getting these units complete because there was the issue with the power. But there were also many, many other issues as well because there were 14 plots that needed to be sold different different buyers some of those buyers all those buyers had the option of walking away some of them chose to because it had gone on for so long others didn't but you had plots that needed to be resold the people who'd stuck around they had mortgage offers that had expired so you needed to go back around again you mentioned the change in solicitor there was the, basically again it's like the longer things go on for the more problems there are the more problems you get at the back end so there was a load of that but you started having a 15 minute meeting every day with the people who were responsible for getting those over the line and that focus probably saved a good few months i'd have thought because if you're talking about something daily even if some days there's nothing you can really do and nothing's really changed just giving it that focus means that things are going to move faster and have more urgency than if you're talking about it weekly and it may look like wow a meeting every day but actually a few months in development is probably a six-figure number mm. So if you are delayed by another, say, four months, that's probably going to cost you 100, 200 grand. So they were the best value meetings I was having. Yeah. Okay, so like a mere three years or so longer than we thought it would take, but it is done now. Just. What's the final number? Do you I know? Wrinkles? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's around about, as the title suggests, it is around about a million, a million pounds sterling. That is a long, a long way to be off. It's a massive way to be off because look at that swing. It was meant to be four or five hundred in profit, and it accelerated quickly to a loss of five hundred, and then it was a slow climb to the million mm. because at that point we got hold of it, but it still took time to fix it. So that was a slow climb to that number. It accelerated, it felt anyway at the time really quickly from you breaking even to 500k loss i mean that felt like a month or two but then from that point on it was just slowly just chipping away after that point just little mm. bits just to just to you know because the site took long so then you had to go back in and do a bit or you put a bit more turf down because it got ruined or whatever but they all add, it all adds up yeah and i think you really feel that in property development because so much of the cost is front loaded and like we've kind of glossed over the land purchase because there's plenty other to say but if you get your land cost wrong then the whole project is doomed well that's right i mean the people who costed up the site got it wrong so that 400 500 was never going to happen it was a fantasy number even mm. if the project had done right that number wasn't going to happen yeah it may have got to a couple of hundred if everything had gone our way so because we purchased the land at the wrong price, because we had it priced up at the wrong price by the wrong people, again, multiple parties involved. And, and to my credit, I had two people value up the site and the cost of what it would 
be. We had an independent estimator and the guy we had in-house and both said it could be built for this number and both for very similar numbers. So we were happy. It turned out it was nonsense. It was just a fantasy number. It was like a work of art. Like It was just not realistic. This is a very risky business to go into, property development, because of the nature of how the costs work. But it's not unique. So if you've got a manufacturing business where you need to order really expensive mold or a business where you need loads and loads of stock and it's the only you need to order it from China and then it arrives and it's wrong somehow because you made a mistake. There's loads of businesses where you can have one event that you, you can't go back and change. So you're then in a situation where you have to deal with it. What kind of lessons are there, do you think, from our experience that other people can use oh, they're endless but let's start off with team a team got me into it the mess but a team got me out the mess and i was the constant but what changed was the people around me so your team is so so important and i i did know that before but i still picked the wrong team so really really be careful with the people that you surround yourself in a business in all the other businesses that we had we had a great team of people around us and maybe maybe I got too confident about, you know, team picking and having good people around me, maybe. But the point is, whatever project you do, whether it's development or any other business that, hey, see what I did? Any other business that you do, you need a great team about you, around you. Because if you don't have a great team, then you're not going to do great things. You can have the greatest ideas in the world. You can be the greatest individual. But if you don't have a great team around you, it's not going to go very far. You can only get yourself out so far you need to leverage yourself and leverage yourself by other brilliant people but if you're leveraging yourself with bad people then the scale of going it the wrong way is also dramatic so a great team can take you to great places but a terrible team can take you to abysmal places because you are leveraging and when you leverage it can go really with you or really against you definitely and i think another one is when you if when you're going into something very new that you've never done before of course you need to be extra extra careful in terms of the team that you're hiring make even more sure than you normally would because you can't spot the signs so early but if you can it's probably a good idea to start smaller like 14 houses is not the biggest site in the world far from it it's down the smaller end you could have started even smaller and learn those mistakes on a smaller scale because it's like when you're starting anything you're always going to make all your mistakes at the beginning but normally when you're starting a business you have to make those mistakes on a small scale because you don't have the funds to do anything else. Yeah. It's probably more risky when you're an established business because you do have the money to make bigger mistakes. And you even see massive, massive brands making horrendous mistakes, often actually when they're going off into something that's not core to what they do, going off into different territory, even though they could bring in all the expertise in the world, pay any rates, they still make huge mistakes acquire terrible businesses that don't fit for them then they've overpaid for them mm. like you see it all the time luckily and i do mean this luckily we've had that pain and that's why with our new venture which again we will talk about very soon we promise that new venture is has already started and we've tested it and we've done it in a small way and we know it's working and we know it's great. Instead of announcing to the world exactly what we've done and we're ready to go and the first customer through the door will be the same as all the other customers because we're just going to open the door at once. No, like we've learned because this this project, for as disastrous as it's been, and, it, and let's not dress it up as anything else, it's been a disaster. It's taught us so much. It is, there's so many lessons from this and that's another core lesson 
It's it's making sure that you are working in a field that you're an expert expert in, making sure you surround yourself with good people, make sure you test the waters if it is a new venture, particularly if it is you know a high-risk business, but any business, find a way to test the waters. I mean, there are so many lessons that this this project has taught us that it's putting us in a much better position moving forward. And yes, the cash flow was you know a real challenge at the time, but we won. And we've come out really, really strong. And actually, you know what? The properties that we developed, for all the challenges, for all the problems, I mean, they cost enough, so you would expect them to be great, but they are great. They are wonderful houses, and they let so quickly mm. for our clients. And the tenants absolutely love living there. And if it hadn't caused so much pain, I'd probably be even proud of it. But I can't even bring myself to be proud of it. I just acknowledge that we built beautiful homes, and some people are enjoying them, but I can't take any enjoyment. No. But at least there were some winners in this story. The the people who are living there now have won. The investors won. They got a great price and they they made a quite a nice profit by the time they eventually completed because it took so long. And ultimately, in a very, very weird kind of way, maybe we will end up winning because it's not an experience that you'd want to go through, but it could have been even worse than it was. And because you've been through that, it does mean that for what we're doing next, which is way bigger we've approached it i think in a completely different way from what we would have done uh, we, we've been with every mistake that we've made we've kind of chipped away some of that blind optimism and just kind of started being more careful about things and got better each time but that was such a big lesson it means that we're being ultra cautious for this one which is the right one to be ultra cautious about because it is so big yeah, I mean, I wonder what would have happened if we hadn't had so much pain. Mm. Would our optimism slash maybe even arrogance of, wow, we keep getting a lot right, have gone a long way to just us pushing forward and really accelerating with that project and have it out today live and everyone be talking about it, but maybe not in the way we'd want. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm weirdly, although I won't take any enjoyment from that project, I probably still regret it a little bit but I'm grateful for the lessons. I am grateful for the lessons. Well, maybe a half million pound mistake would have been enough to get those lessons. We didn't have to go all the way to a mill. But yeah, okay, you've got to take the positives out of it because you can't go back and change the past. All you can do is learn from it, which we have. So I'm sure that won't be the last mistake, but I hope it was the biggest. But either way, I'm sure we'll have more good and bad to talk about next time on any other business. And we'll see you next time. Well, that is it. Another episode of Any Other Business done. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support so early in this podcast. Yes, if you're listening to these, you are the early adopters. You are the hardcore if you're going back and listening to the archives. So thank you so much for your support. And if you really would like to support us, then we'd love an iTunes review or a review anywhere you think is relevant. It really does help the show out and it helps us reach as many people as possible. And of course, if you want to go further, you can share it on your socials too. But any sort of support is very welcome. We'll be back with another exciting episode next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.